Hey there, this is Tammy File, and I'm so glad that you could join us today. We want you to know that whatever you're facing, we are here praying for you. And we pray that you're able to experience the presence of the Lord in your circumstances and that you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you matter to God. Okay, last week you guys got a verse card like this, First Chronicles 520, if you were here. If you were not here, it's in uh, the, if you get last week's material, it'll be in there. This is going to be the Bible verse that we are going to remember every single week because this needs to become our truth. It says they cried out to God during the battle and he answered their prayers because this is very important. They trusted in him from God's own word. You see, listen, every one of you has battles. I don't think that comes as news to you. But the reason God answers our prayers, sometimes he'll do it when we have absolutely no faith. But if you want to see God come through in powerful ways, trust in him. And remember, we've defined trust as leaning into God. If you would like a better picture, here's what I would suggest to you. Picture you as a little girl climbing on top of a big, strong man's shoulders, a papa or your daddy that you would feel safe and secure. That is really a good picture of trust. It is leaving everything for you to stand on and climbing on him and letting him be what carries you. That's our definition of trust. All right, if you will, turn in your Bible with me to John chapter 11. This will be today's text. John chapter 11. For many of you, this will be a familiar story, but I've learned in my time that many of us did not grow up in church and are not familiar with many of the Bible stories. And so um, to those of you who have studied it before, I hope God will have fresh insight for you. I don't know about you, but every single time I read the word, um, he has something new, uh, even if it's just to apply it again freshly to that particular day in my life. But I'm hoping he has some kind of really special new things for you. So John chapter 11. And I'm going to open us in prayer. Father God, so grateful to you to be here tonight. There is nothing that brings us here but you. And I have absolutely no business being here in front of these ladies except for you. You are the good in my life. And God, I'm grateful to you that you love me, wanted me, pursued me, put up with me, argued with me, wrestled with me, and hung in there with me. And even beyond that, I'm so thankful that you had such great plans to restore my very shattered, broken heart. You really rebuild lives. And God, if I didn't believe that, and I I almost think that part of the purpose in my going through all that was so that I could with conviction and complete confidence say, this is who our God is, because I have lived this. I continue to live this every single day, and I'm still planning to live it every day after this because I still got lots of places that need cleaning up. And so, Father God, I thank you that that is who you are, and that is what you have done in my life. And so I stand here tonight only because you've asked me to do this, because you've given me an assignment. You have um, given me the resources, but primarily the Holy Spirit 
And God, I just want to be out of your way. I want anything in my life to be moved out of the way so that your Holy Spirit, your holy life flows in every way, in every square inch of my life. And you continually show me other roadblocks other obstacles that have to be cleared out of the way. And I'm grateful for it. I'm always a little disappointed by it because I didn't know it was there. And I want so much to live a life unhindered before you. But I'm thankful when you show it because that's one more thing I can get out of my life and be freed up before you. I am thankful that that is your work in us. Now, God, you come here and do this. You've got to teach this word. It's your word. This, this scripture we read is your living, holy, active word, and it cuts deeper than spirit and soul dividing. God, if you don't show us what is in us, we cannot know it. And God, if you do not illuminate and give us understanding and wisdom, we cannot have it. So we ask you now to come in power, in authority, God, in fullness of life and speak into our hearts, our lives, and don't let us leave here without resolving to do what you ask us to do. In Jesus Christ, name I pray, amen. In John chapter 11, we're going to read verses 1 through 16 to start off. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It's very important that we see that verse. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will, will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After this, he said, he went, uh, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. And we're going to pause there to take in some truths. Before we launch, I have to say to you, it's pivotal that you heard the verses that said, Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, but he stayed where he was. Because in your life, there are going to be defining moments when you need God to come and come now. And there are times you're going to need to know that he loves you, but he doesn't move at the time that we want him to and believe that we need him to. You need to know that. So the question I have for you tonight that we're going to visit with is this. What in your life needs to die? What in your life needs to die for God to receive glory? 
That's a hard statement. It's a hard question. What in your life needs to die for God to receive glory? It has been said that the formula for starting something new begins with leaving the old. Dying is not easy, though. What in your life needs to die? Number one, um, the first bullet, number one under your main point there is this. Some of the challenges in my life are for God to show himself mighty on my behalf. Some of the challenges in my life are for God to show himself mighty on my behalf. Sometimes God asks us to let something die, and sometimes it's a painful death. I want to read you a quote from um, A.W. Tozer. It's out of his book called The Root of the Righteous, and see if you can resonate with this. In every Christian's heart, there is a cross and a throne, and the Christian is on the throne till he put himself on the cross. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is our greatest problem. We want to be saved, but we insist that Christ do all the dying. What in you needs to die so that God can receive glory? Verse 6, we've touched on this. It says that even though he loved them, he stayed where he was. And that brings us to number two on your outline. Sometimes God delays his answers. Because the delay will increase his glory. Sometimes God delays his answer because the delay will increase his glory. Delays feel like a no to us. When you're praying and God is not obviously moving, it feels like no I'm not interested. I'm not available. I'm not going to do that. It feels like no. When something needs to die within us, however, there's that process and God makes us wait so that that thing can completely die. You know, it has also been said that the enemy to a great life is to seek comfort and ease above growth, to seek comfort and ease above growth. You and I both know sisters, and we have have always been this. We may still cycle through being this. We want to grow. Here's what. We want that life that we know somebody else has. We, we want that, but we don't always want to leave comfort and ease behind to get it. And sisters, It is so worth it to do the hard thing with God. Can I just tell you that it is so worth it? Not in the dying moments. They stink. They're painful. Nobody wants to die. You're not ever going to want to do that. It isn't even that I'm going to ask you to want to do that. I'm just going to ask you to do it anyway. What in you needs to die? There's something in me right now that needs to die. There's a area in my life in a personal relationship that a whole bunch of fear has sprung up because of the relationship kind of changing and um, 
coming closer and um and I think I'll leave it at that but I would just say to you that when fear springs up it's not good stuff inside of me and what that says to me is I've prayed about it to the Lord and he says the fear has to die that person cannot hurt you again the way they once did but boy the old track record says they can and it doesn't mean that they won't hurt us but it can never, ever be the way it once was because I am not the same person anymore. And my God owns a greater portion of my life than he did at that time. But there's something in me that has to die. And I resist that. I resist it. But at the same time, when I tell you I'm resisting, I want you to know I've already got a yes in my spirit to God. I'm just still in the dying process. I'm squiggling, wiggling it out. I'm not refusing. I'm just squirming. But I want that to die because I want life there. Jesus says in verse 15 that he is glad that he wasn't there. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Brings us to number three. Sometimes God delays his answer so that my faith can be increased. Sometimes God delays his answer so that my faith will be increased. Let me tell you the big secret on faith. You don't have enough of it when you come to a challenge. And that's God's whole purpose is he's going to stretch and push beyond what your endurance has been. That's how he grows faith. He doesn't just wave a magic wand and poof, you got more faith. He works it out in you. He, you've got to make room for it in there. He has to carve it out. It's hard. It's almost like working a muscle. Some of you guys know more about weightlifting and that sort of thing. But when you stretch that muscle with lifting weights and stuff, don't you kind of damage the muscle slightly? Doesn't the scientists tell us that you tear the muscle in small ways and that when it mends itself, it's stronger than it was and it's also bulkier? Well, the same kind of thing happens with our faith. You come to a place and say, I don't have the faith for this. And God says, I know, hold on. And in that waiting, you expand. Here's what, here's what it feels like to you. You feel like you're about to pop. You know what I'm talking about? You're so full of emotions. You're thinking, oh, I can't stand it anymore. Good news. You're making room for more faith. You feel like you're about to pop. And, and if somebody bumps you the wrong way, you might pop on them. <laughs> but if you'll come back to your father, he will clean that up. And he'll say, come on and hold on, honey. We got more faith coming. So that's how faith grows. Well, I want to I bring up this particular issue. What is God's glory? I'm going to make a confession here, and I hope that you hear it in the way I intend to say it. Um, I'm not sure I can do it with great finesse, but I'm going to do my best to say it this way. There was a time in my life when I did not know the joy of the Lord yet, but I sure knew challenge and suffering and pain. And because I did not know God's goodness yet, just because I, I just knew obedience long and hard in the same direction without much evidence to show life, and I perceived God's glory. You know, when it says God gets glory in that suffering, you know, it sort of felt to me, if you can forgive me this, 
It felt to me like God needed somebody to be clapping and praising him every time something horrible went on in my life. If I would just turn back to God and say, okay, God, I'm back still. I'm staying with you. It's like he got a bunch of praise and worship. Yay, she came back. And it felt like ego. Can I say that to you and say, I was wrong in my understanding, but that's what it felt like. When you've known a lot of pain and suffering, it feels like, why would God feel good about this? Can I give you a definition for God's glory tonight? And I'm certain it is not all-encompassing. It is only one aspect. We talked about when Moses said, show me your glory. And do you remember that God said, my goodness will pass by. God's goodness is his glory. For, but for our purposes here, when we're looking at challenges and we need to know what is God's glory, because we haven't seen goodness yet. How about this? God's glory is God's signature on a matter. God's glory is God's signature on a matter. And what I would say the second half of that, and I don't think we have it on a slide, but let me say to you that the second half of that is our response to God's glory is worship. And so most of us think of worship as having to do with his glory. That's our response to his glory. But God's glory equals God's signature on a matter. God is always working to reveal himself to a watching heart. This is so important for you to know this. You're not begging God to show himself to you. Now he requires in scriptures, it tells us that those who seek me earnestly will find me. You can't just randomly pass by God every now and then and say, show me your glory. And out he pops. However, when you are faithful with him, and listen, anytime we talk about faithfulness here, we even can talk about holiness. We are not ever talking about perfect because we don't get to be perfect here. And you need to know that every sister in this crowd and on this stage and in the sound booth is imperfect. And no matter how much we want to be perfect, and I mean perfect for God's sake, we won't be. So I need you to know that that's the case for all of us. We are on an, an even playing field, but he wants you to see him. So when God's glory is involved, it's because he wants his name on it. He wants a signature on it. That is God seeking glory and our response will be worship. So my question to you again tonight is what in your life needs to die for God to receive glory. We're going to read verse 17 now, starting in 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Do you think he was a little late in arriving? Already in the tomb for four days. Now here's the catcher. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. That's a quick walk, ladies. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Mm -hmm. 
thank you for listening in. I pray that God has stirred something within you today. You can find more information about this study at TammyFall.org.